It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CT Startup Podcast. My name is Ojala Naeem, and I am excited to be your guest host today. We've got a great conversation ahead of us today with Anurag Shah, who is a co-founder and CEO of Aureus Analytics. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about his company, his journey that brought him here, here to Hartford, Connecticut, uh, and just his involvement across the board. I've been lucky enough to know Anurag uh, both as an entrepreneur and, and some of the work we've done there, but also as a co-board member uh, on Launch, which is an organization aimed to really grow the entrepreneurial and innovation ecosystem here in Hartford. So Anurag, thank you so much for joining us and uh, being here today with us. Thanks, Ujala. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited. Yeah. So let's let's just kick it off with, you know, what is Aureus? Like, what's Aureus all about? Where did this company start? What's the concept behind it? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, it's always fun to revisit some of the history and how, how Aureus started. So let me start with the name. Uh, I've been told it's a little bit of a tongue twister for, for several people. So, <laughs> you know. We've heard different versions. Uh, it's Aureus, and and the and the story behind the name is that it was the first gold coin that was ever made, you know, by the ancient Greeks. And wow, um, 
our view is that data is the new gold and our platform yeah. is a way to find the gold and hence audience analytics. So that's yeah. powerful. That is very sharp. Do you, do you guys have like a gold coin as your uh, logo or your symbol or not, anything? Not as a logo. We thought that would be a little too <laughs> gold coin and uh, you know but we do have it in our explanations uh, on our website but uh, nice. you know yeah so yeah that's that's the name uh, talking about the business we started back in 2013 in India um, and our primary objective was to build an AI platform specifically for the insurance industry um, we started our first customer was AXA. Uh, they still are a customer and that's where our journey with the whole insurance ecosystem started. Um, so we've worked with a dozen plus carriers back in India. Um, about two and a half, three years back, we decided to kind of expand and you know, go beyond, beyond the India market and see if global markets were you know, going to be kind to us as well. And um, you know that brought us to the U.S. Uh, through an accelerator, through a couple of accelerators. Actually, we we were shortlisted in um, one was in California called Plug and Play, and the second right here in Hartford uh, called Startup Bootcamp. So that's that's how we kind of got here. Um, just to go back to your question, I mean, from a business standpoint, we the platform essentially is you know, helping insurance companies, agents, brokers understand customer experience um, and use that to predict their behavior so that they can drive better retention. You know, well, at least I'm not, you know, originally from the insurance industry, but for whatever we learned is that the customer experience levels are not the highest in the industry. So, you know, we wanted to find a way to measure it and then use that to predict behavior. So that's, that's what Aureus is about. And what's your sweet sauce? Like what makes you differentiate from all the other competitors? I know I can say, you know, sitting sitting on the kind of uh, insurance carrier side, I get emails every day from new companies talking about AI and how we can make things easier. Um, and so there's a lot of noise. What's, what's your sweet sauce? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of things. One is we have a patented algorithm, which is called the centimeter. And it's it's a play of words with sentiment and meter. So it's called centimeter, um, nice. which is essentially, not a a, yeah, uh, yeah it, it does bring a smile to everybody. So that's helpful. Uh, it's, it's essentially a, a simple scoring mechanism, but there's a complex algorithm at the back that measures customer sentiment in real time. So if, you know, carriers, agents, you've got thousands of millions of policyholders, it's impossible for you to know which customer is going through what experience at what at, at exactly this time. Um, you know, and of course, traditional techniques have been around like surveys and net promoter score and CSAT, which is great, but you know, they usually cover a small portion of your base because not everybody responds to surveys. And I don't know about you, Ojala, but I'm not a big you know, responder <laughs> to surveys. The only time I respond is when I'm super unhappy about something. That's the only time. <laughs> right, right, right. That's true. Yeah, and then that's that's inherently the the challenge with surveys. So, centimeter is um, essentially a mechanism that is data driven. So it looks at data and understands the sentiment of the customer without asking them, right? So that's that's really one of our secret sauce. It's a patented algorithm, and that really helps everyone measure, you know, your customer. So first step, we said if if the industry wants to improve customer experience and step one is being able to measure it before you can improve it right so so that's that's our 
main secret sauce and B, you know, our models that predictive models have kind of evolved over. So we process more than 60 million policies on our platform so far. So wow. that kind of, you know, uh, that kind of build, brings in a lot of, uh, you know, as you know, in machine learning and AI, more data you process, the smarter your algorithms and your models get. Um, yep. So that's something which, you know, and it's growing every day. So um, that's that's essentially where the models have evolved. I, I call this one as something money can't buy, right? Right. <laughs> if somebody right. came in with with hundred million dollars, they could still they would still have to go through the whole grind of, you know, building this, which which we already built. They can't yeah. buy it. So yeah. that's these are the two. But they could buy it from you, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That. A little I hope, bit of something there. I, I, I sure hope so. I sure hope. Yeah. So. No, that's great. So. You know, okay, so we, let's say your customer uh, gets on the platform, they get all this data, they get all this, you know, analysis of customer sentiment for mm -hmm. their customers. What do they do with it? Or yeah, what so could they, they do with it? Yeah, and, and so we do a couple of things. So one is tell them what their customer sentiment is. So think of it this way, I'm an agent, uh, you know, and I, I log into my system and say, hey, Ojala is an existing policyholder, you know, she just uh, bought a new house and we need to, you know, so we make predictions saying she's likely to buy this, she's likely to buy that, but her centimeter score is really low. So this is really not the good time to be trying to sell more to her. You know, it's probably going to backfire. So first try and get, you know, some of her questions resolved or complaints resolved and then try and sell more. So essentially we give predictions of, you know, sell this or don't sell this, or this customer is likely to leave because of A, B, and C reasons. So we give all of those predictions in, in natural language. Um, and the centimeter helps as a way to manage the customer's timing, right? You want to make sure you hit the customer at the right time, uh, you know? And, and then of course, irrespective, we want to have your customers go through a good experience. I mean, if you look at it, if somebody says, you know, Ojala's centimeter score is say 70 out of 100, that's good, but was it, did it go from 60 to 70 or did it go from 80 to 70 are two different scenarios, right? right? So that's, that's basically where we help them tell, this is a good time, go ahead and try and sell her extra coverage. You know, she's right. probably need, or, or don't do it right now. Right, right. So if I went up from a 60 to 70, then it might be a good time to sell exactly. me more because I'm happier. But yeah. if I'm going from like a 90 to a 70, you probably shouldn't ask me to buy more. Not things. a good time. Exactly. Absolutely. That makes sense. And do you guys really, you know, when you, when you say you analyze the customer sentiment, are you analyzing it based on their voice and, and the calls that they're having? Do you guys look at actual kind of written um, conversations, right? May that be through an email or a chat? Cause there's so many different ways today that customers are reaching out to their companies, right? I mean, you're talking everything from social media to traditional snail mail to phone calls. Um, so what do you guys focus on? Yeah, great question. And I'll try to keep this as less technical right, for, this, <laughs> for this session, but essentially we, we built this whole concept called as an event-based. So we are not really going only after interactions. I mean, our, our hypothesis is that if you only look at interactions, then it's not good enough because insurance inherently has very few interactions with their with their customers unless there's a claim or unless there's some renewal coming in. There's, it's not an interaction heavy life cycle, right? Uh, unlike a banking or a retail environment. So we've built what is called as an event-based system. So we look at all the events, right? So we look at renewals, payments, 
you know, of course, claims. And then, of course, some of the things which we call as unstructured, like an email, phone call, uh, text. So anywhere we can find all of those information. So we integrate with existing systems and pull that data out. So, so that's that's basically so to, a short answer to your question was all of the above that you mentioned. Uh, but essentially, get them as events uh, and not just as the interactions between between the policyholder and, and the carrier or maybe the, their agent. Yep. No, that's really great. That's really great. So, you know, you, you mentioned that um, you started the company off in India and you're right now sitting uh, on a lovely day uh, in West Hartford or Hartford, Connecticut, right? Yes. So what brought you here? You mentioned Accelerator. Um, and then what made you stay? Yeah, for all the predictive analytics we talk about, if somebody had asked me to predict two years back, would I be sitting in my house in West Hartford with my family? I would have said no. Um, so, so a lot has changed in, in last two years. So the accelerator was certainly the, the starting point. Um, it brought us here. Um, you know, we participated in the accelerator. It was a very unique experience. Started working with some of the partners here. Um, and we realized that if we need to build our U.S. business, you know, we need to be here. I was, I was spending way more time on airports and planes than, than with customers. Mm -hmm shuttling between India and, and the US. So eventually it made sense, follow the customer. So, you know, we kind of said, well, at least one of the co-founders needs to move. Um, and, and the other two kind of said, it's, it's a good time to get rid of this guy. So they, they said, he's the <laughs> to go. Um, so right. basically- right. What was that process like? Like moving a, a whole company and yourself and your family? I mean, I, I can imagine it's not the easiest thing to do, not to mention, probably a ton of paperwork all across the board. And and throw COVID in that, right? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, right from the legal aspects to the physical relocation to, you know, and with kids. And so it was, it was quite a process, but it was a fun process. And I have to say it was a lot easier than I, than I anticipated it to be. And, and, and easier from a mental standpoint, right? From a physical standpoint, the work you got to do, you got to do, right? But yeah, uh, I think that some of the support we got, some of the people around that helped us uh, is just incredible, right? From, you know, people like Frank Setner, who's on our board, but also more like a friend and a family, you know, to people, you know, nearby who kind of extended their hands and say, hey, we'll help you do this or we'll help you with that. It was just incredible. I, I mean, I was overwhelmed with, uh, with, with all the support we, we got. So without which it would have been a lot, lot harder yeah. for sure. That's really great to hear. That's really great to hear. So, you know, you, you came to Hartford for the accelerator um, and, and Hartford's, you know, one of the beauties is that we're located literally right between Boston and New York. Yeah. And you could have gone in either direction, right? Uh, when it came to figuring out where you're gonna lay your roots and the company's roots. Um, why stay here? Well, there's, there's a interesting story around that as well. We were probably, I think Hartford snatched the office location for us just a few days before we were about to sign a lease for an office in, in California. Really? Right. Wow. Right. So we were almost all set to say, okay, we'll, we'll set up shop there. Um, a simply because we were a part of an accelerator there as well, like I mentioned, and, you know, we were getting some good traction with investors, but eventually we said we should be closer to customers, not just investors, yeah. right? Um, and most of our customers were in the Northeast, 
occurred in Boston, New York, of course, within Hartford itself in Connecticut, uh, Chicago. I mean, the Midwest, Northeast was really turning out to be the most, you know, focused segment. Of course, nowadays, everybody's, a, you know, well spread out, but still majority ended up being here. And he said, okay, then it makes sense. And then to help things along, uh, CI, Connecticut Innovations invested in us. So that created one more anchor for us here. And then of course, like I said, you know, customers, we, one of our first customers, uh, you know, was here in Hartford. So like I said, follow the customers. So all things kind of came together for Connecticut to be the, to be the hub. And like I said, the, the story behind it is like five days later and we would have been in California. So <laughs> that's crazy. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to move fast enough and, and faster than yeah, California so to, to keep yeah. you here. <laughs> That's excellent. So you mentioned, you know, you've, you've had some, um, it sounds like great people, great maybe mentors and friends and, and resources along the way of, of your journey to just being able to move here, move your company here and, and be able to grow here. Um, yeah. You've definitely had some good growth. I know I've been watching the company for the last several years since you since you joined the uh, uh, Hartford Insure Tech Hub a few years ago and seeing your team grow and, and, and just the talent grow there has been awesome. Um, but you know, what was it um, that was you know helpful to you beyond just the mentorships? You know, were there are there specific resources or specific ways to engage with people that um, would be helpful to share for you know another entrepreneur that could be listening to this right now? Yeah, and and three things that kind of like I said tipped the scale for us here to decide why we set up shop here, right? And, and if you look at any any company, if I replace Aureus with anybody else, probably I'm assuming they'll be the same three uh, factors, talent, investment, and customers, right? And, and if you look at how we've evolved, we've got all three uh, happening in Connecticut. So we've got a local investor. So Connecticut Innovations is an investor. Uh, we've got great mentors and some local hires that we could do as well. So that that was on the talent side of it and like i said we found customers who are based in connecticut our first carrier customer and our first agency customer are both connecticut based and now of course we have mm -hmm. several others um, but they were both based here so if you look at the beautiful combination of customer investor and mentors or talent you know uh, all all three kind of came together so and if That's i replace great. like i said this audience with anybody else if you gave all three uh, I, I think it'll be a no-brainer for others as well. Yep. You know, it's investment. I mean, that's definitely, you, know, you mentioned it's a big part, having an investor that's uh, closer to you, but just investment in general for an early stage company that's looking to, you know, expand their market presence in the U.S. Um, or for coming from outside or a company that's just getting off the ground here in the U.S. as it is. What was your process when it came to fundraising and, and looking for investment and how... Did you navigate those conversations? You know, what what, what type of timelines um, did it take? And and you know, was it you had a your first conversation was with CI and they loved you and they said, all right, great, let's make this happen. Or was there a lot of you know going out pitching to a lot of different companies and and trying to kind of chase after the money? Yeah, I mean, we were pitching, and this was when we raised the money. This was like our second round. We had done a seed round earlier, so we'd gone through the grind once, so we knew somewhat what to expect. Um, so we, we did go in with our eyes open and, but of course we had to present to several companies, some were interested, some were 
little interested, some were interested a lot. So, you know, there's like the centimeter score, you know, we had varying degrees of score of, you know, feedback we got from. You know, <laughs> were you were you running your algorithm on, on the investor conversations? Well, not formally, but informally, we did put them on yeah. a scale uh, to figure out. Uh, with CI, obviously, you know, I, I would say in the first meeting itself, there was a, at least an initial understanding that this was interesting for them and us both. It would make sense. Uh, of course, it had its process and due diligence and et cetera. And so like any, any investment, right? But, um, you know, but at least from the first meeting itself, it, it, was, it was clear that there's, that there's a match, right? And, and that, that could be worth exploring further. Uh, of course, it took a few more rounds of discussions, negotiations, et cetera, so, which, which is par for the course, I guess. Yep. Yep. No, that's really great. I know that's definitely been something that we hear a lot from entrepreneurs that are, uh, you know, rising here in Connecticut on one of the toughest things is, okay, we're ready to raise money. So how do we do it? Um, if there's no, you know, some can say there's a script and a book to follow, but uh, it's, it's, there's just so many factors that go into it um, to do it. So you talked a little bit about what's been helpful, right? In the kind of three key pillars um, and you've been here for, for a few years now, and, and you've also had insights into other ecosystems like out in California, and, and I'm assuming you've probably spent a decent amount of time, at least pre-COVID, uh, in New York and Boston as well. Um, based on kind of everything that you've seen, you know, what is it in Connecticut that you'd like to see happening more of? And what are some of the gaps that, you know, you think we should really be focusing on over the next several years? Yeah, and there are a couple of things for sure that we can we can do more. And one is I think the whole connection between the startups and the customers. So if you ask me if there's one thing that a startup needs, forget everything else. If we have to choose one, I think it's customers because everything else can follow, right? You you can get the best talent, you can you can get investments pretty easily if you have customers. So, you know, it's it's usually not the other way around, right? So I would say if we can make that stronger between startups getting contracts, getting customers, real revenue, real dollars from customers locally, that would kind of create a lot more. And it's happening. It's, it happened to us. It's happening to others, I know. Uh, but can it be more? Can it be faster? Um, I think that's one place where, in my view, that can change gears uh, you know, significantly for how we are attracting more, so that's that's the definitely one area which I feel we can do more more uh, you know aggressively and and create some sort of ecosystem for it. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. Um, go ahead. No, I was just saying that the second one is also linked to it is also in terms of then you know start helping those startups. So creating like what Launch is doing is incredible, right? So creating some sort of a playbook of, you know, if you were to come here, what do you need, right? What are the things that can help you? And, and I think we are doing some interesting things there and uh, maybe more is needed, but that's that's probably the second one of giving some sort of a uh, playbook for startups to say, if you do come here, here's a book, playbook, go, you know, uh, start with this and focus on your product and focus on your business and don't worry about the other things. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, this, this past year has been interesting when it comes to thinking about playbooks and thinking about how do you get in front of customers, right? Because we're not doing our same old like networking events where you can track down a potential customer and be like, Hey, can I get five minutes and just, you know, just talk to you about what I'm doing. 
Um, and I know I felt it, right? I, I've been someone that's that used to love going to every event I could get myself to, just seeing the, the familiar faces and newer faces within the community and um, you know, being able to make connections or being able to see, okay, hey, here's a new startup in the community. How do we help them grow? Um, that's been tough in this last year. Um, that said, we've had some, some interesting ways to be able to get in front of people more because now everything's virtual. So the expectation of like having to set up some time to be face-to-face kind of went away. Um, and, and maybe it'll come back, maybe it won't. But, you know, what has, how has this pandemic over the last year um, affected kind of you and, and your company, both in a positive way and then maybe also in some challenging ways? And, and I think if you look at the net result, mostly it's positive on the business side of it. Uh, it's negative or probably on the personal side of it. We had some team members both here and in India getting COVID and the family members and people not being able to travel and mostly medical. But if I look at purely from a business lens, it's been mostly positive for us. And it's funny when we look back at the year, I guess our productivity, level, productivity levels of the team members were equal or higher than before, right? Mm. Um, especially most of our team members in India are in a city called Mumbai, which is notorious for its traffic. And you spend hours and hours on the road getting to and back from office. And now suddenly you have all of that time, you know, freed up and you're still able to do other things, but unfortunately locked in the house, but still. Um, so, so we had some, some of the side effects, which are positive, uh, customers who were really very busy. One thing I say is that customers no longer could give us the excuse. We are traveling, so we can't meet. Right. So everybody was willing to meet. (laughs) Right. Right. So, so we got more meetings virtually. Um, and another funny story on the side is that we actually created a new product. In, uh, in December 2019, we actually decided to build a new product for the insurance agents called Donna. And we were going to launch that in April 2020 at a big <laughs> conference in Florida, yep. which, which of course became a Zoom call. Um, right. And we were really worried that that's not the ideal launch of a new product you want. Well, it turns out we had three times the audience watching it than we would have had in person at the conference. Wow. Right. So that's, that is not something we expected, but it was a good, you know, good outcome, I guess, uh, out, yep. out of that. So, so there are a few good things and a few not so good things, but, you know, a net result in a positive way. I would say the yeah. business benefited. People realized they need, you know, technology to help their businesses and right, right. Is to, you know, get closer to the customer without meeting them. Especially in such a virtual environment, right? Everyone had to figure that piece out. Absolutely. Exactly. So, you know, we're, we're at a time now where the future uh, looks and feels pretty hopeful, right? There's uh, things are reopening. Um, there's, you know, more vaccines being rolled out. Cases are going down. Um, we might be in a situation maybe before the end of the year that things look more closer to what they did in you know, January of 2020 than they did in January of 2021. Um, what do you think the, the post-COVID world is going to look like for startups? Do you think, you know, some of the new things that came up from a virtual perspective will, will continue to stay? Or do you think um, it'll totally shift back to normal? Or do you think there's going to be some sort of new hybrid of how uh, startups are able to, to grow uh, regardless of where they are? Yeah, and I, I guess it probably depends on 
on the nature of the business of the startup as well. So somebody who's probably in the food and retail and some of those have probably are going to have a very different post-COVID world than somebody like us in the technology, um, you know, pure technology kind of an environment. So it does depend on who you are and what your business model is. Um, but I can give you at least from our example, we asked our team members, how many of you want to go back to office once things are normal? Only 20% are interested, right? So it's not a question of now that you can or you cannot, it's option and people are taking that option. So I think it's, uh, we've already moved in, in our uh, development office. We already moved to a smaller office uh, while hiring more people. Right. So that's we, an interesting impact, right? Yeah, that's a Smaller very space. Actually, so that's got some impact. Yeah, yep. we've, we've actually gone to almost funny, but it's almost gone to a better office. It's a nicer office. So the people who are coming to office are really loving it because it's it's a much more you know modern office than, than we had earlier. And yet it's costing us lesser and uh, the people have a choice. So I think that that part is definitely a new new world right people yeah. are going to choose uh, yep. whether they want to go back or they don't want to go back and we are fortunately in an industry where we can allow our team members to choose not every industry probably has that has that luxury i guess absolutely so based on kind of everything that's happened in the last you know couple of years um both pandemic and pandemic side um you and and, and norris have had great growth um, you've got a new product that was launched last year and, and that's been growing as well. Um, what's, what's next? What's next for the company? So what's next is, I mean, we really want to scale it. We've proven that our product works. We've proven, you know, that the product market fit exists. There are early adopters who, who've loved what we do. Uh, we're seeing usage of our product increase week on week. Um, now we really need to scale it. So that's going to be the big tough challenge for us. I mean, we can do it for 10. Can we do it for hundred or a thousand? I think that's, that's going to be our big, big challenge. So we'll see that's, that's going to be a very different challenge. I, I am pretty sure of that. Yep. So, so the audience for this podcast, right? Varies. You've got, you've got startups, you've got economic development officials, you've got investors, you've got uh, entrepreneurs that are just, you know, dreaming of becoming an entrepreneur, individuals dreaming of becoming an entrepreneur. Um, if there was one ask you could make, from any of those kind of groups or, or anyone that might be listening, uh, what would it be for you? Uh, mm, I guess from an entrepreneur to other entrepreneurs, whoever, whatever stage they might be in, is that I've seen that post, you know, this whole situation of COVID and coming out, people are realizing that there's a lot more value to work together. We've seen a lot more partnerships, a lot more engagement with other startups, with other entrepreneurs, which were not that quick to move earlier. So I think huh. the whole value of working together, you know, it's not only about your startup succeeding, it's if the ecosystem succeeds, you automatically succeed with it. And, and we've signed partnerships with other startups, which we would have not done otherwise so quickly at least. Right. Right. So, so working together, I guess, makes sense. And of course, by the way, since you gave me the opportunity, if any investors are listening, okay, we might be raising later this year. So Excellent. Yeah, no, absolutely. Hey, it never hurts to put that out there, right? You never know who might be listening. Yeah, that's great. That's great. 
Well, awesome. This is, it's, it's been really, you know, again, I've, I've been watching the kind of your journey and the company's journey, and it's been uh, awesome to kind of hear it, learning things that I didn't know. Uh, like we almost lost you guys to California. So really, really <laughs> happy to have you guys here. Um, any, I mean, any kind of that's the, that's last... the case study. That's the case study that Hartford needs. Uh, needs yeah. To show, right? <laughs> yeah, no. And I think, you know, it's been awesome because I think we're seeing more and more of that. We're hearing more and more of that. Um, and that, that, you know, I think it, a lot, for folks that have been engaged in the ecosystem um, and have wanted to see entrepreneurship and innovation grow uh, in Connecticut across the board, I think it's been really great to actually see that happening over the last several years. And, um, you know, I think your, your story is a testament to that. So thank you for sharing all of that. Are there any kind of uh, last bits of advice that you'd like to share uh, or any any stories or anything else you want to share with our audience? I've, I have several stories. I guess uh, the audience will run out of time, but no, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> we are having a great time, uh, you know, doing what we're doing. So thanks. Thanks a lot for having me, having me over for this. It was wonderful talking to you as always, you know. So yeah. No, thank you so much, Anurag, for joining us. So again, everyone, uh, Anurag Shah, co-founder and CEO of Aureus Analytics. Make sure to check them out online. Uh, and it's been great being your guest host today. Again, I'm Ojala Naeem and signing off today. Thanks, everyone. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or as some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country. And CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.